Hello and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. Uh, I'm Mark Rappentine, Senior Vice President of Government Relations. And I'm Lisa Davidson, Vice President of Advocacy and Membership here at the Society. We are recording on Wednesday, November 7th, and uh, it's just a little bit after 2 p.m. And like all news, things can and may have changed quickly, but we're going to try and keep that in mind as we talk. And today's topic is the pendulum swinging, as Lisa and I, in our long, grizzled years of following state politics and federal politics, have seen uh, some major results that happened in the elections yesterday, uh, perhaps not unforeseen when taken as a whole, still surprising uh, in parts and pieces, and certainly how it all went down on Tuesday night. It was um, pretty intriguing, with uh, especially the top of the ticket with Governor Walker and now Governor-elect uh, Evers. With it going back and forth throughout the night, uh, they found some absentee ballots in Milwaukee, but, and they brought in a flash drive and uploaded those around 1.30 in the morning on Wednesday, and lo and behold, we're going to have a new governor. And it'll be um, the first time since 2003 that the sitting governor will be of a different party than the majorities of the two houses of the state legislature. That was Governor Jim Doyle when he won his election, uh, that in 2002. So, um, in the in the state legislature, we we saw status quo almost to a, an unbelievable degree. Um, you would have expected that the state assembly would have lost some of their 64 seats uh, that that the Republicans control out of 99. Instead, they uh, stood pat, and the, the GOP actually picked up a Senate seat in the uh, quite conservative first Senate district, which is Door and Kiwani counties in the peninsula, um, in the northeast part of the state. So. Um, we're going to be seeing leadership elections in the Senate and the Assembly over the next couple of days. And I think what, what matters the most now for those of you that are listening and for those of us that work here at the Medical Society is what the heck does this mean for what we do advocating for physicians and their patients when it comes to health care? Lisa, what's your takeaway of, of last night and what we're kind of looking forward to here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, Wisconsin continues to have somewhat of a purple tradition, and, and so I, I think that we, you know, continue to see evidence of that from the results of, of last night, and so it is a significant change, and obviously a lot of the changes at the state level are also going to intersect um, with the uh, Trump administration and with the uh, Congress, so the, the relationship between our, our state government um, and the administration and the delegation, um, that, that certainly may change a little bit too. Um, obviously, we have a new member of our congressional delegation um, in the first district replacing Speaker Ryan with uh, Brian Stiles. Um, had an opportunity to meet with him a few weeks ago at an event with a member, and he is very interested in uh, pursuing a lot of uh, similar issues that, that Paul Ryan did when he was a young whippersnapper in the Congress. Um, I know he aspires to be on the House Ways and Means Committee, but that is a pretty plum assignment, and so the likelihood of a freshman receiving that um, is slim, but, but certainly, you know, anything is possible, um, we've learned. Speaking of Ways and Means, um, we have good news with respect to Congressman Kind from the 3rd District in the uh, central and uh, western part of the state. Um, he is an existing member of that committee, and, you know, we may see him move up in the ranks. Um, there is a Ways and Means subcommittee on health 
that has jurisdiction over a number of issues that are important to um, society members and, and patients. And if, if we see that happen, um, that could be very helpful and strengthen our uh, relationship with him and, you know, ideally our ability to advance some Wisconsin-centric ideas um, on the national level. I know that the um, Senate, given the increase in uh, the margin that they have now with a couple extra seats, uh, a little more padding in their majority, uh, they're probably going to spend a lot of time focused on the nomination and confirmation process. Um, we are going to see turnover in the cabinet. In fact, we just you know, saw that a few minutes ago with the not unexpected resignation of the Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Um, so the process of advancing a nominee and going through the committee process of questions and meeting with senators and holding a vote, um, this will be probably the first of a a few of those um, that the United States Senate um, will take up. And speaking of which, um, you know, we do not have a change in, in our, our Senate um, seat. Our junior senator will remain Tammy Baldwin, and uh, I anticipate she will probably want to stay where she is um, with respect to her committee assignments. Um, one of the key ones for us being the uh, help the um, um, education, labor, health, education, labor, and pensions committee. Um, that's been very helpful for us to have her on that and be able to uh, have conversations with her. Um, I think with respect to the change in the House, obviously, you know, one chamber of the Congress is going in a different direction um, with respect to uh, the majority. Um, the leadership of the, the House moving to Democratic control is, um, you know, while not uh, finalized, I think, you know, likely to see those that are in leadership now transition um, into uh, new leadership positions with Nancy Pelosi ascending into the, the speakership once again and uh, looking at uh, Steny Hoyer taking over as majority leader um, and uh, Jim Clyburn um, moving into uh, the majority whip um, spot. So that uh, that will probably remain the same. I, I think a, a big question for us at the society is, is looking at, you know, what uh, kind of oversight um, is she uh, going to want with respect to health care and the administration? Uh, in particular, what kind of a relationship does she want to have with the Health and Human Services Secretary Azar? Um, you know, we've seen tremendous movement away from the legislative arena for pursuing changes to the Affordable Care Act and, and, and health care in general, and having that role move into more of the regulatory sphere with respect to the agencies. So what this means with respect to that is that, you know, the, uh, the new leadership um, in the House might decide to slow things down with respect to new regulations. And that could be you know, having Secretary Azar and his staff come up to Capitol Hill multiple times and be able to uh, defend uh, some of the new regulations that they are advancing. Um, also, uh, having the uh, House Democrats submit you know, the uh, Freedom of Information Act requests and being able to tie up staff to help fulfill those. So there, there's definitely some uh, some opportunities to, to see things slow down um, from the regulatory side. I think again, you know, it's going to take time for all of this to to shake out. Um, I think at the end of the day, though, regardless of the outcome of the elections, 
the society's well positioned, um, given the work that we do, given the relationships we have, and at the end of the day, um, the positioning that we have, you know, working with physicians and working on behalf of patients, again, in that Wisconsin tradition of purpleness. <laughs> I think that uh, that always uh, always bodes well. So um, what other thoughts do you have about what we might see, especially since we have a significant sea change at the state level with the new administration coming in there? What does that mean for us? Let me ask you a Fed question first, because uh, you follow this so well and you're, you're connected in D.C. with the folk we work with. So there's, it's kind of this weird dichotomy of, of what might happen, right? Because you have a democratically controlled House, you've got a, a even more republicly controlled Senate. So naturally, you would think that would set up for gridlock, right? So that's number one. On the flip side, I think just about everybody agrees that health care turned out to be a pretty darn major uh, element going into the elections. Uh, and this is at state and federal level. So, you know, do you think there's going to be some room there with the wild card of President Trump, who you are never a hundred percent sure where he's going to come up with new issues one way or the other. Um, and secretary Azar, who, who, you know, I, I know, you know, quite well, um, is, is quite dedicated to doing the right job, but at the same time, he is, he is an appointee of president Trump and therefore you, you carry the water like you're supposed to when, when you're in an administration like that. Do, do you see any kind of healthcare stuff emerging out of that gridlock that could come through like, is it drug prices? Is it, is it um, I don't know, do they move away from ACA repeal, I assume? What do you think the low-hanging fruit, if there, if there is any, is going to be going forward out there? Yeah, great question. Well, I think in the uh, prescription drug pricing issue is, that you mentioned, I think that's definitely ripe for some bipartisan agreement, which would be a, a great thing. We know that the president has been talking about this for a while and that there has been some uh, proposals that have been, you know, kind of uh, leaking out prior to the election. We know this is also an area of interest for Secretary Azar, um, given his background. So I think that that could be an issue where um, we are able to see some, some good bipartisan work um, come out of the Congress and make it to the president's desk and ideally become law. Um, so I think that's one. I, I think, you know, moving away from ACA repeal, which I, I think we can kind of safely say is um, is done for now. <laughs> um, but the idea of doing something on the flip side to stabilize things in the marketplace, you know, we did see some interest, particularly in the U.S. Senate, on that um, earlier this year. And so that may be another issue where we find some agreement, you know, given the uh, makeup, obviously, of the, the House now and the uh, players that are returning to the Senate that were very much leading uh, that effort. So I think those are, those are a couple areas that I think we will ideally find um, some agreement. I, I think also the opioid epidemic, that was, you know, also an issue that was a big part of the uh, campaign that touches, you know, all demographics and all communities. So my hope would be that that would be another area we would see the Congress come together. All right. It'll be interesting also to see if anything happens in lame duck uh, before everyone else comes in and, and the, and the uh, leadership switches in the House. You know, on the, on the state side, you know, playing off the ACA stuff, I, I think uh, there's no surprise that Medicaid expansion will likely be a part of a Tony Evers budget. And I think that's that's something that's important to note is that when you um, the, the governor is the one responsible for the first draft of a state budget. 
And there is no more important bill that happens in a two-year biennium than the state budget. In fact, it's the only bill they have to pass. And even have to pass has an asterisk next to it because if they don't pass a budget on time, which is um, July 1st of the odd-numbered year or the first year in the biennium, then just whatever the spending levels were for the previous biennium hold. So, you know, it's in Wisconsin, you don't have a government shutdown if you don't pass a budget on time. You just push things and kick the can, um, unlike at the federal level, where I'm sure we're inevitably going to see some kind of um, shutdown talk, if not a shutdown happen. So, you know, the governor's uh, the governor-elect is most is very likely to put in a, a Medicaid expansion plan. And, you know, in our discussions that we have in the building downtown here on the Isthmus, um, you know, Medicaid expansion is not necessarily a dirty word with every Republican. However, Speaker Robin Voss at a recent event leading up to the elections was quite firm um, over and over talking about how uh, Medicaid expansion is not going to happen. Uh, he said that before the elections, you never know. Um, it, it will be interesting to see what goes down because you can play this out pretty easily. Um, this, the, the governor-elect gets, gets his budget, hands it over to the legislature, it includes multiple hundreds of millions of expected federal dollars that come in for health care based on expansion. And then if the legislature wants to change it, which inevitably they will probably want to do, they're going to have to backfill any of that money that they take away if they don't want to do expansion. So it becomes a rock and a hard place. Um, that is something we're going to really uh, going, to, going to keep a, keep a good close tabs on. Then, then you talk about, well, where should funding go if you are able to get um, extra funding based on Medicaid expansion, where should that money go? And how do you spend it? And how do you spend it the right way? And at the society, we've always been very, you know, um, inspired by our members and it's patient care first and making sure that the patients have access to that care. Um, I think there are certain elements in, in Wisconsin that, that uh, bear looking at when it comes to Medicaid. We don't do very well compared to other states when it comes to uh, reimbursement for some of the, the services that are provided, and that puts a real drag on the ability to provide those services. Um, but, you know, uh, um, Tony Evers' dad was a physician. Um, I think he has an interesting story about, uh, about some of uh, the experiences he had with his father uh, growing up, and, and so he's familiar with the physician world, at least to a certain extent. And we're looking forward to getting to know him a bit better um, and, and kind of hammer that down. So the state budget will obviously be the first um, uh, probably big battle point between the Democratic governor and the Republican legislature. And, and uh, honestly, it's going to be hard to figure out, but they are supposed to get it done by July 1. And so we'll be paying attention to that. Um, some of the other uh, down ticket races uh, were, were interesting to see as well with uh, Attorney General Brad Schimmel um, uh, losing his race by a similar margin. I think it was about 19,000 votes to uh, Josh Call, uh, who will now take over as Attorney General. Um, just this morning, as we were recording um, again on, on uh, the day after the election, when uh, Attorney General-elect Call held a press conference outside the city county building here in Madison, uh, he did highlight one of the areas that he wants to, uh, two of the areas that he wants to deal with. One is getting the state out of being one of the states that is suing to repeal the ACA. So that's likely to be unraveled, um, at least our participation as the state of Wisconsin. That doesn't mean the lawsuit will go away. It just means we won't be a part of it. Um, but then the, the issue of, um, of opioids came up as well. This was a theme that, that, um, that candidate call brought up was the, uh, the opioids crisis and meth. Uh, and he did say that he plans to take a look at the pharmaceutical companies and their role in what's going on 
uh, that led up to the opioid crisis and, and where we still are. And that's similar to some of the rhetoric we've heard from other attorneys general around the country. Um, you know, there are different places where you can go to try to assign blame. And then if you're assigning blame where you can assign potential liability or culpability. And the pharmaceutical industry seems to be one of those places. We are a little bit um, unsure at this point where, um, where uh, the attorney general elect is when it comes to potentially criminal prosecution of physicians. Um, I think that's something that we're always a bit concerned about to make sure that um, things don't just kind of take a life of their own. And, and uh, you know, we see this in other states where people want to kind of build their own uh, portfolio of prosecutions by taking an aim at, at physicians. You know, our medical examining board has already started the process back in August of using prescription drug monitoring program data to figure out who outliers are when it comes to prescribing and dispensing. It's not just physicians, but dentists and nurses and pharmacists. And then uh, having the, uh, the appropriate board start to have investigations into why those outliers are there and whether there are practices leading to that outlier status that are potentially problematic, i.e., do they discover a pill mill or something? Um, that process is still going on. And the medical examining board's been, been very, I think, you know, personal opinion here, I think they're being appropriately cautious and careful about how they do this because they know that if they do it um, you know, with, with a bit too much energy without the facts and data to back up what they're doing, they're going to lose the trust of perhaps the public and perhaps uh, those that they regulate in the physician community. And if the physicians become very nervous about prescribing any kind of opioids, uh, many of them will just stop completely. And that could be an access to care issue for those that actually do need opioid prescriptions uh, that, you know, we hear some anecdotal things here and there, but we're, um, we were, we're paying close attention to it. So the fact that the MEB is already starting to poke around on these things and do things in a, in a reasoned, measured, and fact-based way, I think can be helpful. And I, I think um, uh, the Attorney General-elect will, uh, will be interested to know about that. It'll be information we certainly share with him and emphasize with him. Um, and we'll be we'll be um, looking at that as well. There are going to be some wild card, I think, issues that come up uh, with a new governor. Um, I think you know marijuana is something that is is something that we saw in a lot of different referenda around the um, around the country yesterday. I think we're up to 33 states now that either have recreational or medicinal marijuana on their books. Um, I know Michigan just joined in on that, and I think Utah did as well, if I recall. Um, so you know that's something that comes up often um, in the community and. And um, again, it's, I don't think it's a, a specific partisan issue in the building. And so when you have a partisan split between the branches of government, sometimes those, um, those bipartisan-ish issues can raise themselves up and, and get some legs. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye out on um, that as well. So um, those are some of the other things at the state level that we're already starting to peek at. Obviously, from an operational standpoint, um, the governor is going to be appointing new uh, secretaries and assistant secretaries and, and um, all the appointed staff at the different agencies, which means the Department of Health Services, uh, with the obvious work that we do there with Medicare and, and all that they, or Medicaid and all that they do um, in other areas, um, uh, medical examining board appointments, that's up to the governor, um, appointments to the Injured Patients and Families Compensation Fund, that's up to the governor for a number of those spots. The Medical Society has two spots, but the, the governor has uh, a handful that, that he or she gets to pick. Um, the Department of Workforce Development with workers' comp as an issue, that will be an interesting one as well. 
And then one of the other ones that I think will be a, um, a subject matter important area is the Office of Commissioner of Insurance. Um, an, an issue that we're hearing a lot more about um, from patients and from the press and from uh, policymakers is the network adequacy or surprise billing issue where people go in for services, uh, often it's a surgery or something, um, they, they get their services, they go home, and then it turns out that the insurance that they have didn't necessarily cover all of the services that they received, whether from the, the surgeon or the anesthesiologist or something like that. And then who's on the hook for the money? And that's one of the biggest uh, flashpoint debates that's going on out there. Um, there are some states that think it's, it's the, those that provided the services should not get what they charge and what they would normally get, and so it should come out of their pockets. Others think that it should be the insurance industry should do a better job of, of uh, actually providing coverage for these kinds of things and have enough people in their, in their uh, panel, um, professionals in their panel, so that the patients can actually receive the services. And then you know, others um, you know, think it should be the insurance regulators that come down higher on these uh, insurance companies to do things. So we know that's going to be an issue next session one way or the other. And the medical society and and uh, many specialty societies have been uh, in conversations with policymakers in both the executive and the legislative branch here in Wisconsin on that. There is also um, action on this federally that may have a role one way or the other with what the state ends up doing, but that's something we're, we're keeping an eye on there. And then with just opioids in general, you know, Governor Walker had an opioids task force. Um, I don't think he'd be afraid to, to uh, have me tell people, but you know, Dr. Mike McNett, who's a, a statewide leader on this issue and is a member of, of the governor's opioid task force and also another one with uh, Dr. Tim Westlake and, and um, um, uh, Assembly Republican John Nigren. You know, he emailed me this morning. It was one of the first emails I got this morning post-election that said, hey, what's going to happen with this? This is important stuff. We've been working with uh, the executive branch on ways to provide better treatment and better prevention for patients and where's all this going to go? And um, that is some of the difficulties when you have a changing of the guard, which happens naturally. Um, you should always expect that the pendulum is going to swing back one way or the other. Um, but this is this is when it becomes difficult. But that's where working at the medical society is a helpful thing because much like uh, the public, which is purplish, I'd say that our members are also purplish. Um, sometimes more purple, sometimes more ish. But you know, it kind of depends. And. Uh, the bottom line is that, you know, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you want access to high quality health care, you want a healthy population, um, and, and you want professionals and enough professionals doing the right thing and having that relationship um, with the physician and the patient that, that, you know, has as little amount of interference with it as possible from regulators or others. And um, I, I think, again, that's a, that's a nonpartisan thing, and it's the same with the, the members of the society, so we'll be bringing that, um, that issue as well. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're standing right now, less than fewer than 24 hours after the election and looking forward. But, um, um, you know, we, we take pride in the fact that uh, we we have contacts with folks on both sides of the aisle all the time. We we talk with them about facts and data and evidence and science. And and sometimes that goes well, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, there'll be fights in the future. There'll be differences in the future. We'll probably have some wins and losses. But uh kind of steady as she goes after this election. Yeah, I think, you know, there's going to take a time for everything to shake out. And 
I think one of the things I want to end on is, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about Medicaid and Medicaid expansion. And, you know, something for, for our members to think about is, you know, there are some uh, significant unanswered questions with respect to the Medicaid waivers um, that are with uh, CMS right now. Um, in particular, the uh, Medicaid waiver um, with the work requirements that CMS just announced last week was approved. Um, it's going to be up to the new administration to actually submit an amendment to that waiver for that to be changed. So again, there's all these different, you know, ripple effects from the election that will take time to shake out. And I think, you know, to Mark's point, there's a lot of these different issues that we work on and we know about. And so it's our job to go to the administration and make sure they're aware of it and offer ourselves to be a resource so that we can have some continuity and, and make sure that at the end of the day there is you know, no uh, harm to patients and that we don't see unintended consequences um, to physicians and the practice of medicine. So I think there's definitely going to be more to come. I think 2019 is going to be a, an interesting year. It'll be here before we know it. And um, we are grateful that you are taking the time to stay engaged and uh, bring in new opportunities for you to participate. We'll have a very healthy doctor day. Um, next year, I think that's going to be even more important now with the uh, changes that we'll see in, in the budget and, and how that might shake out. Um, yeah, so that's actually scheduled for May 1st. So that'll be right during the time when the Joint Finance Committee is taking up the biennial budget. So it'll be uh, perfectly timed. May 1st, come to Madison for the day and, and talk to your legislators. That's uh, nothing but helpful when that happens. Yeah, mark your calendars so you can join us. Um, we had 450 last year and we want to definitely break that record and have more people join us. Absolutely. All right. I think we've rambled enough, Lise. I think so. <laughs> okay. Well, then we'll wrap up this edition of uh, WISMED On Call. If you liked what you heard, visit our website, www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions or feedback, you can send an email to communications at wismed.org. Thanks so much for listening.